0: Hey, this is Dewey from Pure Pleasure on Jabberjaw Media. I wanted to tell you guys about the Patreon for the show. It's called the Pleasure Seekers Club, and there's two levels: there's the five dollar level and the ten dollar level. And all this is, guys, is to help support the show, help support the cost of putting the show out. Um, you know, time spent uh, building the show, hosting costs, travel costs to do the in person interviews that you guys like so much. Um, it all costs money. And I always try to find the best deal, for sure, uh, because I do have a day job as well. But having that support on the Patreon is definitely going to help bring more in-person interviews, more travel, more uh, updated uh, graphics, hosting, websites, all that stuff. So, um, And if you like the show, $5 a month or $10 a month really helps out. I know it's kind of uh, an interesting thing with the Patreon when something's already free. Uh, but it is always going to be free. But if you want to support the show a little bit more, I'd absolutely appreciate it. Uh, you can pay either $5 or $10 a month. We'll try to do some special things for the patrons as well as we go. Um, but it's just a way to support the show in a different way. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. That's the most important thing I can ask for. So definitely go over and check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Podcast. Once again, that is patreon.com slash Podcast. Sign up today and join the community and help out the show. Keep it growing. And I thank you so much.
1: Hey, this is Emily White, host of the Interning 101 podcast, part of the Jabberjob Media podcast network. Interning 101 brings you interviews from everyone from execs who began as interns to what your dream jobs are looking for in interns. We'll be providing additional wisdom from myself, along with other entertainment and business professionals whose experience provide insights into the interning experience and beyond through a successful career. Listen and subscribe at Jabberjobmedia.com. And thanks so much.
2: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one.
0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with The Most, bringing you more great content week after week. And this week, we have Mr. Dale Crover, a living legend on the show. Once again, we've had several, and Dale is just a fantastic, awesome dude. He was so fun to talk to, and his contribution to music is immeasurable in my mind. Um, Just an, an amazing dude, so prolific been in so many bands he was you know part of the beginnings of Nirvana um, definitely of course the Melvins who influenced so many bands and are still to this day one of the most unique bands I have ever heard and just an awesome chance to talk to Dale and go over a whole bunch of stuff we talked about the Melvins of course we talked about the new album uh, it's called Pincus Abortion Technician and This album has two bass players, so it has the Butthole Surfer's bass player, Jeff Pincus, as well as Stephen McDonald as well. Um, So two bass players on this tour they're on, two bass players on this record, and the record is amazing. Uh, Monica has sent it to me. I was able to listen to it before the interview, so we were able to talk about that as well. Uh, But like I said, totally stoked to bring you guys this interview. Dale's an awesome dude, totally down to earth. We had a great chat And super stoked to have him on the show. And I think you guys are really going to like this episode. Um, So let's get some business out of the way as usual. We are on purepleasurepodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. Everywhere podcasts are available. I definitely want you guys to tell a friend about the show if you like it. Definitely give us a rate on iTunes. Subscribe to the show so you don't miss anything. You can always pass over episodes if it's someone you're not interested in hearing. But I do recommend if it's someone you don't necessarily listen to or are into, all this show is about is conversation. So a lot of times you're going to find something you like on an episode of someone maybe you never heard before. And that's why I try to bring on some people that are up and coming as well as people that are established because I just believe in conversation. I love talking to people and I love bringing you guys into these conversations and maybe not teaching you something, but but maybe you learn something from these conversations you didn't know before, or maybe some insider perspective from people that either you listen to or you don't, but people that have been around the block and are putting out the creative spark in the world. So I definitely recommend just listening, you know, giving each episode a shot. I mean, even if it's someone you don't listen to, I absolutely recommend that. That's how I find a lot of people is through podcasts of people I've never heard before. So uh, anyway... Let's talk about rockabilia.com. Rockabilia.com, over five hundred thousand items for you to choose from. All licensed from the bands. There's Melvin stuff. There's Nirvana stuff. We talk about that in this episode a lot too. Uh, some Kurt Cobain stories and everything else. You can find all that stuff on rockabilia.com, and the code is PC for fifteen percent off your order. So definitely head over there and check out the good people at rockabilia.com. Um, uh, big congratulations to Rob and Samantha who won the merch giveaway for the rate and subscribe contest we had going on. Um, we had a bunch of people participate and they were chosen. So congratulations to Samantha and Rob. I know you guys listen to every episode and that merch is on its way to you. So thank you very much. And definitely, like I said, tell a friend. Tell a family member, hey, check this show out, and maybe they'll stick around. Maybe they won't, but uh, it's good to get the word out, and word of mouth is priceless in my mind. So once again, uh, Dale Krover from the Melvins, the new album, Pincus Abortion Technician, is out now on Ipecac. They are on tour. They're doing two big leg tours uh, of the U.S., so they're going to be hitting everywhere. You guys will always, always have a chance to see the Melvins when they go out. They really tour extensively. So without further ado, big thanks to Monica uh, at Speakeasy PR for setting this up. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Dale Crover from the Melvins. (laughs)
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, no problem. Cool, man. Well, uh welcome to the Pure Pleasure Podcast. Dale Dale Crover from the Melvins. Uh how's it going? Going it's going fine and dandy. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Are you home in Is it uh, live? Yeah, well it's it not live. live. Right no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. No, we can edit out whatever and, and uh yeah, it's it's this'll this'll come out uh just by, like probably a week or so after the new record comes out.
2: Oh great, 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 great!
0: So uh, yeah,
2: I'm at home. I'm I'm uh, home here in Los Angeles. It's actually uh, nice out. Surprise, surprise! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it, it had been raining here for a while. And so really, so, uh, um, yeah. You know, not not rain, rain like like you're calling from Portland. Yeah, right? yeah, I'm calling from so,
0: Portland, so it's raining right yeah. now. <laughs> it's not rain like there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, people don't know how to handle
2: that. But it's funny, even though it's rained a lot, people still don't know how to drive in it here. <laughs> they never will. It just freaks out. Yeah. Everybody freaks out.
0: God. It must be like when it snows up here where everyone loses their mind. Oh yeah, I couldn't imagine. Here
2: if that happened, oh the city would be shut down forever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a
2: disaster. It'd be a huge disaster for sure. Seriously.
0: I I can't even imagine. I've been to LA quite a bit and it's uh, yeah, I people drive like crazy down there anyway, but especially for Oregon, like with Oregon, everyone kind of merges over really slowly. Like it takes them a good quarter mile to change lanes in LA. It's just battleground.
2: Yeah. Well, the one that, that I always, my pet peeve about driving is people that don't accelerate when they're getting onto the highway, Uh huh. you know, it's like going up some on ramp and they're doing 30. <laughs> you have to get to 65 before you get to the top of that damn thing. Come on. <laughs> Step on it.
0: <laughs> so i take it. You're an aggressive uh, driver no
2: that just that one just bothers me right. but no i'm not i'm not uh i'm i'm um i, I just kind of let it go
1: yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> i try to
2: help people out but sure. you know sometimes they just they just uh you know you can't plus you don't want to
0: hawk in anybody here somebody might shoot you. Yeah. oh jesus christ <laughs> yes oh my god I don't know which is worse, up here, or down there, for that kind of stuff, man. It's crazy. I work, uh, come from music, but now I work in construction, so I I work with a lot of people that are very uh, uh, outspoken about guns and everything else. It just seems like I'm surrounded by people that are strapped all the time. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know, they were really kind of aggressive, and and uh, 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 they were. Uh, um, um, really I had that road rage was in Germany last year. I noticed that like a couple times and I don't know what we did. I think maybe because we had English plates on the car,
1: uh-huh.
2: you know, maybe because of Brexit or something. But anyway, people were just like, you know, like, like trying to cut us off and, and, um, kind of this one guy, it seemed like he wanted us to pull over and like get out and fight him. It's like, you guys, okay. You know, not just, not me or 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 a uh, uh, a couple of the guys that we're with are big dudes I'm like you don't want these guys to get out of the van yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God. a couple of our roadie guys are pretty big you know one of them is a Scottish guy who would totally you know tear him a new one I'm sure
0: yeah, jeez, are you guys still uh is cliff still tour managing you guys
2: yeah, he has been he's um. He um kind he missed out on Europe last year. He's been working with a uh, Perfect Circle a bunch too, but um so he's going to miss like this first that b- batch of touring that we're doing, but then he'll be there on the second round.
0: Okay. <clears throat> Man, I was stoked to see him when you guys came through last time cuz I I had uh I was a big Isis fan and everything and uh Red Sparrows and all that stuff and and uh Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I I think I interviewed Buzz last time you guys were in town with Spotlights, and uh, oh right, right,
1: right,
0: yeah. So that was a amazing show, by the way, and and uh, yeah, what a what a great bill. But um, you guys are doing things a bit different this time. I mean, we we can jump back too, but two bass sure. players on this record. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Um,
2: yeah, I mean we played with uh, Jeff Pinkus before, obviously. Yeah, and did a record with him before, and. Um, you know we, we uh wanted to come out here and record with us and do specifically we wanted to do some of the songs that we we're doing live which is uh stop next with uh moving to florida uh-huh and then another bottle of song and then i i think our idea was maybe to come up with like four songs and do an ep with them okay uh, and then and then it just even stopped by and then it turned into a whole record (laughs) (laughs) all of a sudden we had all these different songs going like oh yeah oh we should do this oh she didn't so you know our idea of a ep turned into a full-length record and then you know just playing with those guys in the same room we're like oh this could totally work yeah we should do we should do this live and so yeah that's how that happened you know (laughs) yeah
0: so you, you well, you guys have done the the two drummer thing. You've done two guitars. Like, have you ever thought about yeah. doing all of it at once, <laughs> just like an ensemble? Just a huge. Band. I guess we kind of have with
2: with, the, with that uh, the Phantom of Melvin's Big Band. We've yeah, done that. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, and actually, you know, we've done shows a long time ago. We we did shows with two bass players. So okay. at one point, we had Laurie and Joe play a show with us together.
0: Oh wow! Okay, but, but yeah.
2: Yeah, it was only one gig, but this will be great. We're gonna do a whole tour, A oh, a couple of tours. <laughs> yeah, you guys,
0: yeah, yeah. You guys still tour like crazy. Like the the. How is touring with a family now?
2: Um, well, it's harder, certainly, But at the same time, I need I need to pay the bills, so I yeah. gotta work.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is something you worked right? out in advance and everything else with the wife and and like uh, this. Is what Believe I'm gonna it or not, doing. we.
2: Believe it or not, we planned the whole thing, you know, (laughs) which, uh, which, which is, you know, most, uh, uh, most, most things don't happen like that, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We actually planned it. We actually planned to have kids and neither of them were accidents. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I was, so it's okay. There you you go.
0: Not going to, you're going to break the cycle. (laughs) Right. Right. So.
2: Um, But yeah, it's harder. But then at the same time, um, well, I could at least explain this to them to where it's like, see, I'm actually home more than most dads because, you know, if I had and I figured out if I had like a a, a, a eight hour a day job that I did for the whole year, you know, nine to five, nine to five job or whatever, uh, Monday through Friday, and then added some vacation. Well, then I still had I would be gone more doing that than i would if i do what i do now
1: sure you know? which
2: is we do about three months touring out of the year usually every year Man. and then uh this time which is not that much i work three months and most people work what you know way more than that
0: yeah that's half a commercial fisherman's job right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's hard work yes you know, it so- is hard work Harder than touring, I would, I would, I would imagine. I've not done the commercial oh, yeah. fishing part, but I watch that show every once in a while. And Jesus Christ, those guys! Right? Yeah. But you're in. I mean, it's you're true. in all over the world. You're seeing. You're you see, getting to see so much cool stuff. I mean, through your whole career, I mean, I can only imagine the stories you have from the road. But uh, I mean,
2: sort of. But when we're traveling, I mean, we're there to work. You know. Yeah. Mostly.
0: <laughs> I mean, we try to do fun stuff every now
2: and then, but, but you know. You're there to work, and you're there. That's that's why, and and um, that in itself kind of keeps you going. You know, like, oh yeah, that's why I'm here. I'm not, I'm not on vacation. It's not really party time for me, so it's all around me. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, because we are the party when
0: we come to town. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are, you
2: know. People come to the show because they want the party.
0: Yeah absolutely we are the host they want to cut loose you go, you're so. the you're the vessel for them to cut loose and, and forget about the shit they did that day exactly
2: exactly so and then we do that every
0: night so <laughs> yeah it's an important job it's absolutely important yeah, job right. i mean it's it's uh i i can only i mean you guys have put out so much material and and i mean just done so many i mean your career has been i mean pretty impressive dale i mean it, from the things you've done with with uh from from the beginning till now just been absolutely you know uh from influence to to uh i mean you've just done some some really cool shit i mean when you look back at your your career i mean it's it's really impressive and uh yeah thanks that's yeah. one of the big reasons i was stoked to to chat with you today was because i mean there's so much to talk about um you know i want to jump back a bit and and kind of Start from the beginning a little bit, and and just kind of and move through it. But uh, I'll see if I can remember. <laughs> okay, where did you where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Aberdeen? I did. In okay. Aberdeen, Washington. One, yep. one so, question about that is: did is there a good side to Aberdeen? Everyone just seems to just kind of gloss over it as just this miserable existence. But I mean, was there a good side to Aberdeen? Yeah, um Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know. <laughs> We always say how much we hate it, but then if we had
2: come from i mean you know if it hadn't been for there, then things probably wouldn't have been the the way that they are, sure you know, <laughs> so I don't know i mean um certainly, I don't think we could do we couldn't be in a band and stay there, you know, there's no place to play or whatever but sure. but i mean it is pretty it is pretty weird that you know not one, not two but three bands that actually came there came from there put out records that were on major labels and 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 were somewhat successful yeah oh and one of the one of the doobie brothers is from there too oh wow (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's like a hotbed for all these crazy musicians you know sure
0: well it's a perfect environment isn't it i mean it's a small town not much to do i mean once you kind of find something like music you latch on to it sure
2: I mean, I mean, I suppose it's not—it's not, probably not too much like any place else growing up, any other small town, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> okay. And I mean, because your kids right now are growing up in, in L.A., you're growing up in yeah. Aberdeen. I mean, do you see an advantage to growing up in the small town environment, or is it kind of like, well, this is what we're dealt? Oh, with. I don't
2: know. I mean, things are different now anyway, but, you know, we used to be able to go ride bikes every place, and, and certainly like where I live now, my kids can go ride bikes. Yeah. They could, but, but uh, I don't know. It seems like that <laughs> changed all of a
0: sudden, too, where I used to say the same yeah. thing. My parents were like, yeah, come back, 9.30, 10 o'clock. Okay, and it's like 9 in the morning, exactly. it's like, what? <laughs>
2: right.
1: All right, see ya. My yeah. Didn't
2: really care where you were.
1: Didn't even like, ask my what mom you did.
2: <laughs> if my mom wanted me, she'd just lean out and go, Dale, and then
1: right here and come
0: home. <laughs> those are the days, man. Those, those are long gone. You can only imagine yep. what happens out there. You send your kid out on their bike at at ten in the morning and just say, "Come back whenever."
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Well, what about <laughs> what about school years? Like when you when did you meet Buzz? Did you meet Buzz during high school? Um, I
2: was in high school. He was already out of high school by that time. Okay. Um, and well, uh, both Buzz and our first bass player were from the neighboring town, Montesano, which is ten miles away mm-hmm. further east and um i met those guys through well I had, I had actually seen their band play before i joined a couple times but then i actually met them through chris novoselic okay
1: those,
2: those guys were friends with him they were roughly the same age but they had met him because chris worked at this uh he worked at a taco bell in aberdeen okay and some somehow I think maybe they had a mutual friend who was like, "Hey, you got to check out this tall, freaky guy that works at Taco Bell." <laughs> yeah. and, and and so Chris kind of was in the Melvins, sorta, or at least that's that's what he said at, at high school. I remember one time he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm in the band the Melvins." Now. I'm like, "Oh, oh cool, you joined those guys? Wow!" But um, he really, I mean, he was really just friends with them, and and I saw him play a show, and he just came out and played one song, so <laughs> wasn't really in the band, but was playing with them sorta. Of. Yeah. But anyway, um um those guys had decided that they uh, were, were gonna get a new drummer and and since I knew Chris uh, they, he brought them over to my house and that was that.
0: Wow, that quick. I mean that's I'm I, I know what you're talking. He's he is a pretty tall dude. I met him in Astoria here with uh he was playing with that new band his Giants in the Trees. Oh right. Uh, and I'm six five and I I turned to the side and he was standing right next to me and I was just I had to look up. As at six five I had to look up and I was like, Jesus Christ, he is tall. But Yeah, what uh, is he like six ten or something? Yeah, <laughs> it's something something crazy. And uh and that band was really good. But so so I know firsthand what you're talking about that that tall dude from Taco Bell, but of course a much right. different person now. But uh, so yeah, they, well,
2: I was friends with his brother first. His brother was was uh, same age as me. Okay, and so yeah, that's how I met
0: Chris. And they came over, and uh, it, that was that. You're in the Melvins,
2: pretty much. It was like, oh hey, we're looking for a drummer, and they'd actually seen me play before mm-hmm. um, in this uh, in this cover band that I was in. So like They thought it would work. <laughs> so, yeah, we started playing, and that was that was it.
0: And that was that. And did you guys start touring pretty much immediately, or did you guys start just hashing stuff out?
2: Oh, no, no. I mean, you know, I knew that those guys had actually played shows out of town when I would join. Like, oh, those guys actually play, like, Olympia and shit like that. So um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we played a bunch of, we'd, you know, mostly, like, Olympia, Seattle. Okay. Stuff like that. We never came to Portland then. I have no idea why. If we could never get a show there or what. But we never played Portland until after we moved to San Francisco.
0: Okay. It was really weird. Do you guys play the state? Is it the state theater in Olympia? The Capitol Theater. Or Capitol Theater. Yeah, Capitol Theater, yeah. where you can either play on the stage facing the backstage for the small shows or turn around and play towards the actual room. I think Right. But yeah. when,
2: we lived there, that place, when we lived there, that place wasn't having shows like that. Okay. You know, there was a place right across, I was almost right across the street from it, called Gasco, where they were having shows. It's like a big, a big old kind of car garage. Okay. So, um, um, but yeah, we uh, um, so we played a lot of shows around Olympia, Seattle. Okay. You know, for for, for gas money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a long time, and you know, I don't. The first time we started to, well, yeah. I mean, I guess I joined the band in the '84, and we we're doing you know we're we're trying to tour in like 85 but you know that kind of touring meant like going to Reno and playing in somebody's basement for a bunch of people and 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 you know at at some party yeah (laughs) or trying to get shows down in California and, and 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 kind of playing some shows but um you know not uh they weren't all real super successful or anything like that you know yeah, lots of breaking down in the van and stuff like that for a long time before we actually uh, uh, started making any money.
1: Sure,
0: and
2: having pe- people actually like the band.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As, before it became the massive band it is now. I mean, Jesus Christ, the the amount of bands that have been. I mean, I the Melvins and Fugazi, I think, are the two most. Uh, Whenever I've talked to musicians on this show who influenced them, it's either Fugazi or the Melvins. It seems like it's crazy, like the amount of reach that uh, that you guys have have achieved as far as influencing other bands, and and uh, you know, where did you even does hear any, about this?
1: Does
2: anybody ever say Fugazi and the Melvins?
0: No, it's never Fugazi <laughs> and the Melvins. It's Fugazi Not, or never, the never, Melvins. Never, Oh, wow. <laughs> and the only two now, people guys, who did not say Fugazi that... were Ian MacKay and Brendan Canty, <laughs> because that would just and be weird. Of, right, and
2: neither of those guys said that they're influenced by the Melvins.
0: Correct. Those are the only exceptions <laughs> to the rule. Neither of them said the Melvins are Fugazi. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <that> was... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, But, uh, so when you, so, so Melbourne's started out, you're doing shows for gas money and all that stuff. When did you, and cause you did some stuff with, uh, Kurt and that, that fecal matter band you did before Nirvana, right? Yeah. And that was before you moved to San Francisco. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was probably about 86. 86. Okay. Something like that. And how sometime did, around 86, I guess. How did you guys meet?
2: I met him not too long after I joined the band and it was, um, I joined the band in like August of 84. And then in September when school started back up, um, I met him, well, I mean, I met him through Buzz. I remember those guys were, came over to my house to practice one day and they'd taken the bus from Montessana to Aberdeen and they saw Kurt on the bus and, uh, and uh, they knew him from Montesano 'cause because he had lived there, and he was a little bit younger. But um, actually, I think I think Buzz knew him from like baseball or something weird like that, little okay. league baseball. But uh, um, anyway, um, they see him and and uh, they're talking and realize like he's he now plays guitar and stuff like that, and they're telling him about our band and all that stuff, and and. Um, and and when they came to practice, they're like, "Oh, we just ran into this friend of ours. You should he, he goes to your school. You should meet him. He's a really cool guy." And so, like the next day, I met him. <laughs> 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 so, you know, in it, a small town, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he started hanging out with us, and and then you know that he got into punk rock through uh, Buzz and, and the band, really.
1: Okay. You know,
2: he started going to shows, hanging out with us, and going up to Seattle and going to shows every once in a while, and listening to music together. There was maybe like a handful of of, uh, of of people in Aberdeen that we would hang out with together, and mm-hmm. he was one of them.
1: Okay,
2: and um, you know, and that's uh, obviously that's how he met Nova Selich too. Was was through those guys, through the Melvins.
1: Wow. Okay, and
2: um, you know, actually, Nova Selich had, uh, the, the way he started playing with him is because I had done this demo tape with Kurt. And it was just kind of to put his songs on tape with drums and everything.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And, um, and you know, he was hoping to put something together. So that's actually how uh, uh, Chris had heard that stuff and started playing with him.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: This is the stuff. But hey,
2: he got me my gig and I kind of got him his, you know?
0: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Well, it's so funny how stuff like that works out. I mean, things go yeah. different ways. Some things explode and huge and some things, you know, are a steady rise. Some things, I mean, it's just crazy to think about how how things start that way. I mean, it's just so easy it seems like. So simple yeah. and innocent yeah. and it just takes off. Are you enjoying the show? If you are, definitely head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere you're listening to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Throw us a five-star rating or a review. We really appreciate that. It helps the show out big time. So like I said, if you are enjoying the show, head on over and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume podcasts. Thank you.
2: It really wasn't, I mean, we're, we're talking about a very short time period too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, of, of lots of things happening in, in just a couple of years. Sure. It's
0: pretty crazy. And it changes the trajectory of your life. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. If, so, if someone didn't take the bus that day, or, you know, like it could have been completely different. It's absolutely That's right. crazy. And you think about all these first little bands that you're in, how, in your case, some of these, I mean, really were important versus, you know, yeah. five or six bands a lot of musicians are in that never go anywhere and never. You know amount to anything until they finally find that magic you guys kind of touched so many things that were went on to become huge it's crazy yeah
2: that's very strange
0: but i mean so you guys recorded those demos and is, is that stuff that that stuff that predated bleach then that was uh but that was like the early nirvana right that wasn't the fecal matter demos no, it was Sequel
2: Matters. Stuff. Okay. Was, I mean, I had actually recorded a demo with Chris and Kurt, though, after that. Oh, okay. But, um, the Sequel Matter stuff, I mean, there's a couple of those songs that ended up being Nirvana songs. I yeah. mean, they're, they were all Kurt songs anyway, so that, you know, you know, whatever.
1: <laughs>
0: sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure, it all just uh, carries along. And then you, end up, you yeah. ended up playing on Bleach, too, or, or was it recordings that they ended up putting on to Bleach?
2: Yeah, that was from that the first demo tape that I would recorded with the, the actual band. Okay, man, like three songs are on that, and then they they took the rest of the songs and spread them across a couple of the different records, kind of yeah. the box set, and kind of a, a an odds and sods type of record with a bunch of B uh, sides and things
0: like that. Okay, and the the, the one thing that that uh, I well, uh, you're the I think you're the third third person i've talked to on the show that was friends with with kurt and the one thing i ask is is what's something about i mean when someone goes to that level of of success you know you know him personally the world thinks they know him personally um i asked patty Patty schemmel this too um what was something about him that people got wrong or um maybe didn't know as far as like just how he was I mean a lot of people are, are uh, always think they know more about it than others as far as people that didn't know him at all but was there anything he like,
2: really, yeah he had a really funny twisted sense of humor
0: that's what Patty said
2: can, Patty you can kind of see hilarious. it in some of his art totally totally man I mean he wasn't you know I yeah I don't know what people think I mean I guess whatever's put out there by media and stuff like that you know sure um, tor- tortured artists Tortured genius artist. Yeah. Whatever. But, but uh, cool. um, but no, he was super funny. <laughs> cool. And yeah, yeah, uh, uh re- real, real, uh, uh, black humor, you yeah. know, like, like he used to take, uh, uh, statues of the Virgin Mary and, and make her all, all, uh, demonic looking and bloody and, and, uh, <laughs> like the exorcist <laughs> and stuff like that. Or, um, he lived a block away from me and he had this apartment building, um, and there was a big window up, the second floor, and there's this big window, and he had taken uh, a baby doll and like, like painted it, you know, like made it look like Alice Cooper, and 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 hung a noose around its neck, and it's like bleeding. Oh, it was like, right in the front window, you know. Like, it was, it was, I'm sure his landlady was just like, oh, God,
0: yeah, God damn, <laughs> what the hell stuff I like myself that. Into?
2: <laughs> Man, um, yeah. I mean, you know, he he could he could. Uh, he, I mean, he's a good artist. He could draw really well.
1: Yeah, I have,
2: uh, um, I, have I have cartoons that he made that um, where, where I'm in one of them, and he and he's like he you know he he drew me really well. Nice.
0: <laughs> and you still have so, you still um, have all. And that. he's funny. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I don't get I don't get rid of anything. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good yeah. in your case. I mean, your stuff—the your, stuff you're holding on to—I mean, has a lot of historical value, musically, and and uh, I mean, I can only imagine. <laughs> like I said, I can only imagine the stories you have, both of, of touring and and that whole that whole area of time. You know, where we're so uh, it was just things were starting to explode, and and uh, I mean, and and so you ended up getting. You guys ended up getting a, uh, the Atlantic deal through Kurt, right? Was that was that or so his? Yeah, more or less. Did he just kind of because uh, you guys were at that point were yeah. already out of Seattle, that area, right? You were out of we the grunge were. We were. area,
2: but but I mean, you know, well,
0: by the time that those guys blew up, major labels would find anything.
2: You know, yeah, they didn't, they didn't know it was going to be the next big thing. Yeah, so um, we got signed because uh, I got hooked up with these lawyers. Who uh, had done Mudhoney's deal, <laughs> and uh, they were guys that actually lived in the Bay Area, um, and you know, certainly because of all that stuff, there was there was interest from a bunch of different labels um, in our band, and but we went with Atlantic because they seemed like the most realistic about everything, knew what the band was like, um, didn't seem like they had you know expectations that we were going to be some. Um, Multi platinum band, you know. Yeah. I'm sure they would have liked to, but but they didn't quite look at it like that. Mm-hmm. You know, which 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 uh, uh, made more sense to us because you know it's like I'm sure we could have went with some label that were that, that were like we're going to make you guys the next big thing. You're going to be you're <laughs> going to be the next Nirvana. You know, when when we knew that that there was no way we would be ever, and, yeah. and that that certainly wasn't what we were shooting for. You know? Yeah, and we knew that the whole thing was 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 like, you know, this is a weird time for music right now. That, that people are interested in this stuff, and and it's, it's an opportunity that will probably never come along again. And and though we even know that this probably won't work, it doesn't really matter because we were already doing fine on an independent label, and even before any of that stuff exploded at all, we were able to tour and and actually make a living doing this. So. You know, we knew that if it failed, it wouldn't matter.
0: Yeah, and you guys knew who so, you were. I mean, you went into it with the right mindset, right. and you knew. Right. What it, even her. with
2: Atlantic, even with Atlantic, they're like, okay, we, you know. I mean, the, the, the impressive as this was, it was like we know you guys are already an established band. You've already done this on your on your own. Um, you know, just you you'd make us look cool <laughs> if you guys were on our label. <laughs> Which is, I mean is basically the truth. Like you know, you, you guys help us, we'll help you guys. Yeah. And they certainly wanted to try to sign a bunch of other bands too, and a lot of bands were adamant about signing with major labels because they were worried they were going to get ripped off or whatever. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's
2: funny that independent bands were more worried about getting ripped off from major labels when it's actually the independent labels that weren't <laughs> paying anybody.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> they had more to lose. Right, I mean, we were we were treated fair and square
2: through that whole uh, Atlantic period.
0: You know? Okay, and so what was it like doing the Melvins with money? I mean, where you had actual budget behind you that was, you know, probably was like great. You'd never we got seen. To,
2: we got to record in real studios, Man. you know, for more than for more than four days at a time.
0: Yeah, you know?
2: we got we got to make a record that that wasn't done in four days. You know, we actually had a couple weeks.
0: Yeah, in an actual studio. I, I mean,
2: even. Yeah, even with that, you know, I think the most time we spent on the record was probably three weeks.
0: I think Stoner,
2: which was probably three weeks, we spent three weeks sitting in A&M Studios making that record. It was great. But then at the time, there were certainly bands that were were spending six months sitting in studios like that making records and spending tons of money. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, I'm glad that we didn't. <laughs> well, we <if you laughs> that guys, money in our pocket. <laughs> yeah, if you
0: guys were recording in four days, usually, like you went to the studio with songs ready to roll. So, oh yeah. So you weren't in there for six months writing a record. You were just recording it. So, did that change, or did you always just hit the studio when you had the songs done?
1: Oh yeah,
2: that way for a long time.
0: Okay. You know,
2: it wasn't. There wasn't until in most recent years that we were able to like actually sit. And write in a studio because, well, we didn't have one, and now we do. Yeah. So, you know, and and it's it's a little a little more uh, cost efficient to have something nowadays. Sure. You know, you can do it with the, with the technology that's there now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, like um, the upkeep isn't so bad. Plus, we've got a really good engineer who knows what he's doing, so that that really helps
0: too. Okay. And you guys so you guys are all in Los Angeles now. So did we are. you guys so you guys went from like within 10 miles of each other like Aberdeen, uh Monsanto and then to San Francisco and then Del- so you guys have always been in the same area as far as a band it, or has there been times you guys have lived in uh opposite states and had to, you know, write that way or you've always had that convenience of being in the same spot.
2: Well, when Houdini came out um, we, um, I lived in San Francisco, Buzz lived here in Los Angeles and then the bass player that played with us, Mark, lived in London. So, oh
0: shit. Okay. So that's
2: quite, two different up. continents.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Without so, all the file but, sharing. Know, we, we,
2: right. Yeah, I know. I know. We couldn't, we couldn't exactly, uh, uh, rehearse through Skype or anything like that. Yeah. No, no, no FaceTime rehearsals back then. <laughs> <laughs> so we would just do it together. now in LA. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I so don't want to get the get, car here. Get together and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well then we just blow it off. Yeah. Um Oh my God. Yeah, we would just get together and do whatever we had to do, you know, rehearsing for a record or for tour or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's it's nicer now. We just, yeah. we we all live in the same city and, and practice like a regular band. <laughs> sure.
0: Cool. Do you guys yeah. have like a? Uh, I guess so. You guys just put out records, I mean, you, there's some years you put out multiple records. Where it's it, is it something you guys are just constantly writing and and uh, putting out material or, or just generating material? You so you guys have you you guys there's been a couple years I think you guys have put out more than one record and yeah probably. So I mean, is it just something that's constantly going like just constantly writing and writing and writing? Um, you know, to where um, you're trying to put out a record a year at least?
2: Sort of, I guess.
0: Okay. I mean,
2: you know, well, I mean, it's always nice to have something new to tour off of. Sure. Um, so, yeah. I mean, but even with this new record, like, we recorded this. We started recording this last year when we were doing uh, last year's record. <laughs> yeah, okay, the double record. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we were doing that record and we're well into that by the time that Jeff Pincus came here and we started this new record we didn't finish the whole thing but we, we recorded most of it you know like while he was here just about a year ago yeah mm-hmm. and then also at the same time I did a solo record okay. uh, and then there's probably some other stuff I think Steve McDonald did a solo record too that we worked on <laughs> and probably some other stuff I'm forgetting about so um, yeah I mean we me busy you know Steve McDonald has his own studio too We've recorded some stuff there. I mean, this time of year is the time that we usually work on recording. We won't too or too much because because of the weather.
1: Yeah, the weather's you know? awful. Yeah,
2: so we stay home and record. Yeah, <laughs> and and yeah, um, I don't know. Um, you know, we definitely have stuff recorded for whatever future release we have coming out, whenever, whenever that might be.
0: Man, that just seems super convenient, just having everything right there. I mean, you don't have to travel necessarily. You have an idea. You can go lay it down. You've got, I mean, it, it's just so much different we, than things used to be, I'm sure.
2: And we plan ahead like responsible adults. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, a bunch of rock and rollers doing that? That's seriously. Totally weird. I don't think that's ever happened. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. Planning. That's what's weird. <laughs> yeah. That's what's weird about our band is we're actually responsible.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's why you've been around so long. <laughs> Melvin's the most responsible band ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new shirt for this tour yeah. right there. Responsibility yeah. equals Melvin's. Right. <laughs> That's what you need to fucking sell. You need to make Melvin's day planners on this next tour yeah. and just, yeah, just line it out. <laughs> Well let's talk a little bit about this new record. The Pinkest Abortion Technician, sure. like uh you told me how it came about with you know, jamming with the two bass players and then it was gonna be an EP, turn into a full length record. You guys recorded it yourselves with your engineer, right? We did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh else um, what I was gonna tell you about it. Um, uh
2: both Steve and Jeff wrote a bunch of songs for this record. Okay. I even wrote a song for this record Just
0: Now cool. do you not write much for the Melvins As far as songs go Or is it mainly Buzz Well Buzz has so many
2: good songs That that that, that you know um, I don't need to
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean I write songs and stuff all the time But then his stuff's so great That you know
1: Yeah There's,
2: okay. there's never a, a, there, there's There's never a lack of material For us to
0: play Sure Sure, you got a constant flow from buzz, and, and everyone just kind of peppers whatever else in.
2: Right. But actually, this record, he, he has the least involvement in songwriting, probably out of any of the other Melvin's record. Interesting. So I probably shouldn't have said anything to see if anybody will even notice.
1: Yeah. You know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then again, we have got some other pretty good songwriters on this record. Um, Lennon, Lennon and, and McCartney, uh-huh. a couple of English dudes. Yeah. Um, um uh yeah uh uh, uh uh Paul Leary and Gibby Haynes wrote some songs
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um um uh, you know the, the, the cover
0: songs that is yeah so. yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> just a couple guys so. from over in Europe yep <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually,
2: actually their song there's there's two uh uh cover Songs that are covers of a cover on this record. One is the the James Gang cover of Stop, which was, uh, I can't remember the two guys that wrote it, but it's like an old kind of R&B song. Mm-hmm. You probably know it. Stop, baby, I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, and then uh, um, there's the uh, uh, Beatles song, I Want to Hold Your Hand, uh-huh. but uh, we do it in, in the style of uh, "The moving sidewalks.
1: Oh okay. Moving
2: moving sidewalks were uh That's really the ZZ given Top. from yeah. Top's first band. Kind of like uh they I think they're very in, influenced by the 13th Floor Elevators. So it's like super psychedelic good stuff. Yeah, like they, they have uh uh their records are, are available now. Um you can find them pretty easily. and it's good. It's really good. Okay. But I think that was the band that Jimi Hendrix saw and said that he thought Billy Gibbons was a really awesome guitar
0: player. Oh, there's a compliment for you, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I think Billy Gibbons <laughs> gave her, or Hendrix gave him a guitar. Really? Yeah. Man.
1: Yep. I they knew they jammed together. together
0: and stuff, but man, I've uh, What was that? Yeah. I was some some show with Billy Gibbons. Uh, live at someone's house or something like that i forget the name of the show but i think he was talking about well, live, it at
2: Darryl, live at Daryl's house. daryl's house, house yeah house. the guy, I think the guy to... from the guy from hall and Oates.
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> my dad I, my dad called me up and said I saw you check this Oates. out
2: i saw hall and oats get inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame really at, at the same time that nirvana did shit <laughs> yeah I kind of, I kind of wonder, like, if if Cobain would have would have appreciated that or not.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wonder how. I mean, because he was, he was what twenty seven when he passed. Right. I mean, that's think yeah. back when you were twenty seven, where your mind was at, and what what you found important, and i am i w I'm I've seen like the age progressed photos someone showed me at work or something of what he would look like now. But I wonder what what he would think of all that. Yeah, that's a good point. Where Well, I'm
2: just a hundred per- I'm just a hundred percent sure that he wouldn't have been into this being on the same deal as Holland I don't think he was <laughs> yeah. a Holland Oates fan, you know.
0: Yeah. But yeah I know I he if was not appreciated it or not At that point After you know Having a career that spanned that long Of actually you know Now it's all posthumous But the You
2: guys are getting inducted Into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at The same time as Hall and Oak. <laughs> All right <laughs> so, But Kiss got in- inducted at the same time too So Yeah And Man. everybody in the E Street band
0: <laughs> Perfect <laughs> All at the same time. So, yeah. So did you um, see that on TV or were you there?
2: No, I was there. I was there. Holy
0: shit. That's awesome. Yeah,
2: because of Nirvana.
0: So, what yeah. is an event like that like? What is an event like going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony like? Is it just surreal? Um. Or is it just so, I mean, no. ushered through, this happens, bop, 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 and you're done?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I've never been I've never been to a, an award show like that before. So, but it, you know, it's not like I guess it's not like it was an, a real a real award show because you know who won. You know, yeah. it wasn't like going to the Oscars or something like that. Maybe more like the Emmys because they had a bunch of booze and stuff like that. Yeah. So. And you get more I don't know. time to it speak. Was, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was it was it was strange being there. Yeah. And it was funny seeing seeing a bunch of different people um I, I saw kurt's mom and sister there okay that was, was kind of interesting because i hadn't seen them in, in years yeah um um you know and yeah and and nobody recognized me because i wore a suit so it was cool
0: <laughs> incognito in a suit totally yeah. yeah it's funny you
2: put on a suit comb your hair no one knows who you are
0: yeah <laughs> that's it that makes it super easy in la <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I just put on, I just put on a, a baseball hat and some shades,
2: and I look like an undercover cop. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh my! I could God. be walking on, I could be walking on with Buzz and. and you know, we'll be someplace, and they will go. Hey, Buzz, oh man! Oh, can I get a picture with you? And I'm like, Yeah, hey, you want me to take that for you? Yeah. <laughs> they don't even re- they don't
0: realize who I am at all. You know? Well, you know, what's funny about that. When I was interviewing Buzz at the end, I was uh, I was going to have him do a quick identifier at the end and say, Hey, this is Buzz. You're listening to Melvin. or you list to Pure Pleasure? And he's like, Wait a minute, wait a minute. Dale's way better at this. And he called you over, oh, yeah. and you grab the mic, and you're it, like, man. This is
1: Buzz from the Melvins. <laughs> This here's Buzz from the then.
0: <laughs> it was amazing. I think I left it on there because it was so hilarious. I don't even think I said anything about it. I was like, it, and it, it. I got an email or two about it. Like, was that really Buzz from the, the Mail that said that? Yeah. I was like, no, no. But it could have been. I don't know. It, and I just played it off. But Jesus, that was funny. Uh, he
2: has he has me do it for him a lot because he'll always love the words. <laughs> so he says. Yeah. Or maybe, he, or maybe he just likes me to humor him by trying to imitate him,
1: you know? That's some, probably... Some,
2: yeah. some slack-child, lo, yo, local yokel voice. <laughs> like, hey, man, this here, buzz all born from the mail and,
0: and you're listening. Dude. <laughs> he just wants to know how you're going to say it every time because he knows he be different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man. There's
2: a few different styles.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dale, dude, I appreciate you coming on the show, man, and and uh, I don't want to take up much more of your time. I wanted to, you know, chat about the new record and and chat to you about your amazing career. I mean, uh, I'm sure it's it's different from your eyes, but from from our eyes, I mean, you've done so many amazing things and been a part of so many influential things, and and uh, I mean, I just it's thanks. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm happy I'm still doing this, you know. Well, absolutely, still going, and it's. And, and
2: uh, yeah, it's uh, funny to think about that I've managed to make a career out of pretending I know how to play drums.
0: Sure. There you go. Well, you're pretending. <laughs> you know how to play drums. You're a force, dude, behind that kit. Got you fooled. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I appreciate the time and I appreciate your contribution to music and all you've put out and continue to do. And, and uh, it's just been a pleasure to talk to you, Dale. And, and uh, I'll let you go and get back to your to your evening. But, uh, all right, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All
1: right,
0: right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dale Crover from the Melvins. Uh, I learned a lot in this conversation and just a fun time talking to someone as down to earth as Dale, you know, he's in a unique position where he is such a, such a great back catalog and I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to talk to him and ask him a lot of questions. But at the same time, he's just a regular dude, and he has fun with it, has fun with the interviews, and uh, just a blast. And uh, definitely go back and listen to the episode we did with Buzz from the Melvins as well. That was a fun one, and Dale actually did the identifier at the beginning, pretending to be Buzz (laughs) from the Melvins, saying, this is Buzz Osborne, you're listening to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. I think we talked about it on the episode as well. Uh, but check out that episode of Buzz Osborne from the Melvins, and uh, we're going to be bringing you a bunch of more content like this uh, from a lot of, you know, really influential people in the music scene coming up in the next few months, and like every week I try to bring you guys something solid to listen to, because I know there's a lot of you out there that listen to every episode, and I really appreciate it. I really love having you guys back week after week. It's really special for me to know that what I'm doing is getting out there and getting noticed. And being able to talk to people that are heroes of mine and people that I really look up to. And and, uh, Dale is one of those people, and I'm so stoked for you guys to have this episode now in your library. And uh, big shout-out to Monica again at Speakeasy PR for setting this up. She's been just a fantastic partner for me and has helped me out leaps and bounds, and I really appreciate her, and I want to make sure that's out there. And uh, definitely check out her roster. She's a fantastic person and and just does great work. Um, So anyways... We're going to wrap this episode up. I don't want to go too long here. I want to get everything on Adobe as well. Uh, But if the episode is on Adobe and it doesn't give you the full episode in the hour, uh, the full episode is up on iTunes. So don't forget to rate and subscribe. Tell a friend. Hit rockabilia.com up. And as always, we'll see you on the radio.